Hey everyone, welcome to the B2B Power Hour podcast, where we release special interviews with marketing and sales leaders, as well as our live show, all in audio format. If you haven't already, make sure to follow Nick and I out on LinkedIn. Our profile links are in the description, or you can also just search for us or B2B Power Hour. Now on to this week's episode. Well, hello, Morgan. Happy Friday. Good morning, Nick. Happy Friday. Happy Friday from a snowy little day here in Denver. I think we got the residuals of whatever hit you a couple days ago. <laughs> Perfect. You can keep it. Oh, we can a little too it. Christmassy joy because we were no snow and all of a sudden it was the weather outside was a little frightful. A little frightful. <laughs> I'm going to start singing that in the back of my head now. <laughs> but in classic Denver fashion, it'll snow for three hours and now it's blue skies and sunny. So yeah, it doesn't really last long around here. Hello to everyone joining us this morning on this live stream. If you're here, drop a hi in the comments. We'd love to see you. We've got a great topic I think lined up today that's been I don't know, man, we've had so many conversations over the past month and we've been trying stuff for our own work on how to properly cold prospect on LinkedIn. How are we leveraging this platform to uh, basically generate revenue, to build relationships, to create pipeline, to create deal flow? It was, it's been a lot of fun. So Mm. Nick, (laughs) well, (laughs) (laughs) fun. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a great learning experience. I don't know if I'll consider it all fun, but <laughs> I think this is, and this might be why it's so hard. Mm. Like it, it, some of the stuff we're about to talk about today took a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Some of it more than others, and I got to give it to Morgan because Morgan's really good at throwing stuff together in a document. So you guys will have to go and tag us later for a little treat. But please, as we're getting started here, put all of your comments and all your top questions about cold prospecting in the comments so that we can see them. I want to know, what is the biggest thing that's getting in your way of making LinkedIn a powerful tool for you? Give me scenarios. What exactly is happening? Give us some of the questions that you have. Scenarios are a lot of fun because then we can go and talk specifically to it towards the end. But mm-hmm. then it allows us to go and get everything in there. Hello, everyone. Thank you for getting in the comments. Okay, buddy. All right. Ready you want to wanna dive in? Yeah, let's let's get this party started. <laughs> oh, and welcome to our first tactical series, I have to say. We'll be doing more of these in the future. They're very hands-on and tactical. <laughs> and these, <laughs> there's hours that have gone behind this, and they have not all been fun. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. So I thought, what better place to start than what to look for in a profile? Not your mm. profile, their profile. And I did an exercise. Was that last week or the week before? I think it was last week. And I pulled a list of just over 500 that should have been highly relevant leads. And I started going and processing the list. But I didn't want to do it with automation. I wanted to do it manually because I wanted to figure out what were the makers or breakers of a good lead list? And by the end of it, I was only coding it on a scale of one to three. One was no way, doesn't fit, doesn't work. Two was eh, and three was perfect. And if you can't do that by looking at somebody's profile, this is an exercise that you need to do. It took me about 200 before it became easy. But what are the makers or breakers of that lead list of those target accounts? 
it's hard. It's hard and you have to do the work. Took me three or four hours to go (laughs) go through all of this. (laughs) It was insane seeing the results of this. But what, what were you looking for? What were your main takeaways? So originally I was just looking for a complete profile that was in the right industry. And then as I was going, so not only was it the right industry, but also the right psychographics. And so were they also using LinkedIn? So I went through all of these and I realized that just because they were an SDR or a BDR didn't mean that they were a good fit. So what was the, so I started to figure out subtleties that made somebody better or worse. And the interesting part is as I tracked this and I put it in somewhere that I could go back and refer to, I realized that more psychographics, more subtle details started to trickle out. So originally my list was only three, a score of three. And then I would say my list actually got to more 15 or 20. And Mm -hmm. that'll be something I want to work with you on, Morgan, is to go and create a Google Sheet with some type of scoring mechanism in it for people to use. But Mm -hmm. you have to be able to look at somebody and you look at their header. Okay, is is their profile actually complete? What is their tagline? Is their tagline promotional? Or is it category focused? Who are they? Does it speak to who you can serve? Okay, perfect. They got that. Now, what about their about section? What about their about section stands out to you? Can you use that for something to go and reach out to them? Can you go and, is it very personal? Is it more professional? What about that that stands out? What about their past experience? Do you have stuff that aligns with you? And of course, look at their activity section. Is it promotional? Is it blank reshares or is it something meaningful? And this is where we start to look at, if we just had to scale people on LinkedIn, just in general, number one are people that barely use it or use it as a digital resume. The -hmm. second score are people that use it, but use it more as a promotional platform. So they kind of just blankly reshare. And number three are the people that are the content creators and engagers that are power users that are using it to not only build their network and their influence, but also to go and sell. And that last part is so crucial because it's it's not just people who are creating content. You know, I've looked at a ton of profiles over the last couple of weeks and by the numbers, I think that it's like 1% of people actually create content on LinkedIn. And so that holds up when you look at a bunch of different profiles, but a slightly larger percent, I think it's like five, are those who are commenting and liking and all the rest of that. And that's just as good. Not everybody has to create content. And it's great to connect with people who engage with stuff because they might engage with your stuff if you're creating content. Keep in mind right now, as I just went through that list of what I look for in a LinkedIn profile, and I want you to go and look. Hello, Jeffrey. Thanks for joining us. I want you guys to go and look to see if I would pass your profile or not. Not if you're a good lead, but are you a qualified lead on LinkedIn? Because if you're not, all the strategies we're about to talk about are moot because people will pass you up because you won't pass the sniff test. You don't look credible. Do you have those 500 connections? Do you have a good profile picture? Do you have a background image? Do you have all your sections filled out? And they don't have to be perfect by any means, but they need to be done. And have you posted in the past 30 days? If you have, is it promotional or is it better? I'm not even going to break that down because either it's (laughs) promotional or it's better than that. That's Mm it. Mm -hmm. That's where I... You need it. (laughs) Yeah, I think about a LinkedIn profile as sort of your landing page. I mean, in 
other go-to-market motions, you sort of think about how are you driving your prospects or your buyers to the sale? And oftentimes that involves some sort of like web page. Well, the reality is if you are conducting cold prospecting or doing outreach on LinkedIn, your profile is that landing page. They're not very, very, very few users are ever going to go to your profile, go down to your company, click on your company's page, then click visit website. And the reason I know that is because I have data from my profile and I have data from Nick's profile about how few people actually do that. So it's Mm -hmm. more important that your profile itself as an amalgamation is an excellent landing page to start a conversation, to build a relationship. And that, as Nick points out, your headline is not a promotional thing. It's not sales focused. It's value focused or category focused. And there's some really specific nuances to that, which we've talked about previously, I believe in our personal branding live show. But really the difference is, are you shadow pitching? Are you taking that space to promote your product? And the way you language that is helping, you know, or encouraging global leaders to find new money in their budgets or whatever your product does. That's a total shadow pitch. Everyone's like, ah, I'm going to get pitched when I connect with this person. But instead, if you take an approach like Nick's, who has exploring the future of sales, or there's a bunch of different headlines on LinkedIn that are more just value focused. They're they're not aggressive. They're not pushy. And they're just, I'm here and I'm talking about stuff. That is a less aggressive approach on your profile and allows you to connect with people effectively. And there's a lot of detail to that. So we can always DM about that if if you wanted to. Sorry, could you say that again? Oh. I'm having trouble hearing you. People are getting insight into how you're getting all these great answers. (laughs) Siri, sorry. (laughs) Uh, One thing to keep in mind, when you make it about a category, something that you're teaching about that is not your product or service or company, that travels with you. And that becomes part of your value and your brand. Mm -hmm. And when people seek you out, they don't seek companies out that often. They seek you out because they trust you. Trust is Mm -hmm. likability and credibility. That is what we're building with our profile. And when I stumbled by happy accident to, to saying I'm exploring the future of sales, people come to me now and ask me sales future questions or sales scenarios, which are actually accelerating my learning and are not tied to any one company. So it opens more doors, but keeps me actually more focused. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to go and throw that in. Where do you want to go? Comment strategy or sales nav? Um, let's do sales now first, and then we can answer Sarah's first question after you get through that. Okay. Sales, sales nav. nav was my least favorite thing up until about a year, year and a half ago when they changed some of the filters. And how I use it is very, very specific. And if you know who your target accounts are, then please follow along. If you do not know who your target accounts are, Mark this timestamp because you'll have to come back to it. (laughs) And so if you don't know who your target accounts are, you're going to have to do a win-loss analysis looking at only your top five or 10 customers, the most profitable, the easiest to work with, the best to deliver that service for versus just say the last five or 10 you lost. Now you're looking at how would they describe you and how would they and how would the people that you lost describe you? Look at the for the indifference pay very close attention to their word choice and that'll start giving you those subtle nuances to go and use sales navigator to the max. Now jumping into sales navigator, your account list is the first place we start and your account list is your target market. 
what types of businesses are you targeting? What type of demographics is where you have to start? The goal is to get to psychographics. This comes later with review and refinement. Mm -hmm. So are you targeting B2B sales? Are you targeting B2B sales in, you know, the 200 to 100 million revenue point? Are you looking for a certain head growth count? Because if they're growing their sales department, maybe they need sales training. Are you looking for a small enough marketing department so that you can provide marketing outsourced services? You have to go and break this down in order to go and find buying trends or find growth trends that open up the need for you. And so as we're going through this, you only want lists of 50 or less and you want to keep it as tight as possible because then your messaging stays very succinct and you'll notice those subtle nuances when you're going through accounts. Yes. Morgan. So let's say you have a really good firmographic profile. You target 100 plus employees, mid-market companies that are based in EMEA, right? European markets, Middle East and Africa. They are you know, enterprise software companies, you can sell something to them, right? That's sort of your general client from your win-loss analysis that you do really well with. And you know that when the company's department headcount growth is above 10%, they're more likely to work with you because they're encountering the problem you solve. The problem is SalesNav pulls 350 companies that fit that profile. So do you just create seven different account lists or do you try and prioritize and filter down to 50 of that 350 results, let's say. This is just a hypothetical number. I What I would personally do is what I did with the 500 last time, and I would go through it and I would actually contact all of them mm. or at least look at them in depth. And mm -hmm. what I would try to do is compare what I learned from my win-loss to see which is the best fit and what is what is signs of just a no. What will not work? This takes practice and refinement for this to get easier. And so... I would start with a bigger list. I would not go more than 500 and I yeah. would not, I would dwindle it down to 50 or less into really tight segments. So you could say, you know, B2B sales, MarTech, mm -hmm. you know, this category, this type of headcount growth. And you keep using those filters. It could be headcount growth. It could be department growth. It could be I'm trying to think of the ones I've used. Those have been uh, the ones I've annual used revenue. lately. Annual yeah. revenue, uh, overall revenue. employees. Mm -hmm. headcount, like headcount of a department, anything mm -hmm. that gets you there and keep track of that in the notes in your account lists. That is really critical because then you'll know at a glance, which also allows you to use saved searches to update this list as you go. And you can mm -hmm. keep this list to be ongoing. I set my saved searches at a weekly frequency. So they update something. It's kind of the same as what we used to do in Go with Google alerts. Right. So basically, you're able to save a search inside, just for the uninitiated, <laughs> you're able to save a search inside LinkedIn Sales Nav of this specific profile you've created. You're yes. able to save some of those accounts into an account list where it makes sense based on your research, however long that may take, even if it's just a first guess, or mm -hmm. you just select 50 that you want to start with and see how it goes. And then you can save the search and set an alert on that search to see, are there new companies that are popping up into these filters? And then as those companies are added, you can review them and see if it makes sense, if they should be added to the account list or a new account list, depending. Yeah, I always start okay. with one. Do not start with more than one. And yes, James, it's exactly what it is. It's your ICP. 
And then your mm -hmm. contact personas are actually your lead list, which will be my next topic. So thank you for commenting on that because you're, you're dead on. And now what the real reason why we build account lists is for, there's two reasons. One reason, because now it gives us account updates. So now LinkedIn on the homepage will actually give us buying triggers. Are they hiring a new VP? Are they growing their headcount? Are they going through a funding round? All these different things will trigger you to do outreach. Don't do outreach just because you hit a trigger. I'm just going to say it right now. It's the worst thing. And so many SDRs fall for this trap. They send blank messages. You got to do your research and stand out with a pattern interrupt. But we'll get into that later. Now, you got your account list built. Now you go into lead list. You build your lead list. You're going to go and take that ICP, that account list, and name your lead list that and pick one persona. So you're going to do gatekeepers, influencers, or decision makers. I love talking to business development and sales. Marketing's Marketing's good, not great. But they, <laughs> they're just Let's a be honest to here. To. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> are you talking to purchasing? Are you talking mm -hmm. to IT? Get... Like you have to go and break this down or else it doesn't work. And so mm -hmm. now we get into, oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting there too is that uh, you can either, so there's two ways that I've gone about this. And I don't know if you have a preference here, Nick, but on one way, you can actually just do a search filter by the account list and you're mm -hmm. able to pull up all the leads and then you can filter by uh, seniority, by Beat position title. It by LinkedIn activity. But the other way that you're able to do that is you could go to each individual account and save specific people inside the little mapping functionality in sales nav. Is that, tree. is that decision tree useful or is it too time intensive in your experience? Because I see pros and cons. No, this is, this is a great <laughs> question. So it depends on what sales motion you're running. If you're running okay. an enterprise sales motion, mm -hmm. you have to do this to map out your buyers. Every company will be a little different, whoever, depending on what you're selling into, you need to know this. And mm -hmm. so what I've noticed with the SMB companies that I'm selling into is I typically get anywhere from two to about four people that I engage with before they make a buying decision. There's more that are involved, but there's mm -hmm. two to four people that are directly involved. In the enterprise motions that I've been looking at, they're anywhere from six to usually uh, four to eight that you're directly talking to, mm -hmm. but there are you're up to 20 in the background that are influencers in that decision. And that will change how I make out, I design that decision tree mm -hmm. or the, the tree in the background, because I want to know who is weighing in on that decision and who I have to create information for or answer their questions without ever answering them in person. Mm -hmm. And so this takes a bigger role but the reason we do this is to go and build our lead lists. So going back to lead lists, if that that answer your yep. question, Morgan. Oh, yeah, okay that's great. Yep. And then we go back to lead lists. What happens with the lead list is you go say, I want B2B sales, which is super generic. B2B mm -hmm. sales. Now we go into B2B sales decision makers or B2B sales influencers. You have to write really good descriptions mm -hmm. or you'll get yourself in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so what I'll do is that then I'll go and there's the sort feature and you're, you'll look at lead lists and you sort by account list. Mm -hmm. And as you go through that account list, you can create different lists of different decision makers. 
The mm. reason that you're doing this is that your messaging stays succinct. Mm-hmm. As you're talking to a purchaser, as you're talking to a sales manager, as you're talking to a property manager or an ops manager, whatever it is that you're talking to or who you're talking to, you're having the same conversation over and over and over. And the reason this matters is you start to understand how they think in order to help them make better decisions and get in front of them in a way that is more meaningful. But you can't do it if you're jumping around. Right. You have to be really focused on the specific persona that you need to talk to depending upon where they sit in the company and what approach really makes sense. That's awesome. What I wanted, let's see here. Do we want to address Sarah's question really quick? Yes, let's let's jump in. Sarah asked a little bit ago, we just wanted to get to this question because this is important. Curious to know why would you prefer automating it versus doing it manually? Great question. And this question was originally about Nick's scoring of profiles, basically, and and whether they were the one, two, or three. But I think that this is also a good broad question (laughs) about why are we doing LinkedIn sales nav almost manually compared to, bless you, by the way, why why we're doing all of this work manually instead of automating it, and especially when we get to a lot of the outreach stuff. Nick, do you have any thoughts on that? It's a great question. And the Mm -hmm. answer is you, you need to first find a process that works before you can automate. Because what I've found is anytime I automate before I make a really good procedure, is it skips steps or it'll automate failure really fast. Mm -hmm. And so when I go through the steps and I analyze every little bit, when I go to automate, it's faster and more efficient. But every time I do it backwards, it it never goes well, (laughs) ever. And my main concern, honestly, the the running joke that I've seen passed around LinkedIn recently is that there's like 3,000 Microsoft CEOs out on LinkedIn. And (laughs) so there's concerns about like data validity. And Mm -hmm. so the, in my view, the only way that you can really get to guarantee that the lead list that you're creating and the leads that you're going after uh, are actual good leads to pursue and to comment and engage with, as we'll get into in a second, is by actually just going to their profile and seeing if they're active. You know, automation automates what's already there, to Nick's point. So it, if you don't have a process or a way to guarantee that the content or the, the profiles are actually good profiles or match your needs, like, and I've done tons of sales nav searches that pull up profiles that have no relation <laughs> to the kind of people that I want to go after. And, and it just takes a little bit of extra time on the front end to make sure that what you're doing is working. So that's why I prefer manual stuff, especially when we get into account creation and lead list creation. There's a whole other bucket of reasons when you get into content and outreach, but uh, we're not there yet. So <laughs> not quite there yet. So I think no. if you're a sales manager, you know, put your hand up in the comments. This next part is for you. And I'm going to tell you why your sales team should be on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you how to make sure they are actually working on LinkedIn. <laughs> and it comes down to these lists we just built. And so what happens a lot on LinkedIn and social media is it's very easy to get distracted by fluffy stuff. You know, you talk about like the dog pictures or like the personal or what happens a lot is as people build their networks, they build up too much of their peers and their competitors. And so they all have industry discussions, but they're not talking to people that can buy because they're not building the right networks. 
So what happens now when you use Sales Navigator and you have these account lists and these lead lists, you can actually go to the homepage and underneath on the homepage, it'll say sort by accounts and there'll be different triggers, sort by leads, different triggers. And what you can actually start doing now is when you sort by leads, you get all the leads posts as tasks. And what I do every morning is I only spend half an hour doing this is first thing I comment on at least five or 10. Mm -hmm. What this does is this baits the hook because people love, love when you comment on their stuff and when you're not salesy and by salesy, I mean, nobody cares about your product and service or you yet, yet. Mm -hmm. What they care about is the knowledge. They want you to be the first to insight to give them that aha moment and then they're hooked. You know, you can almost compare it like a drug. Once people know that you are the greatest source of information, the best they've ever seen, they will follow you religiously, become part of your tribe, and they will stay engaged. And so what I'm doing is I'll comment and I, it's only five or 10 day. And what happens is I'll write basically a post Mm -hmm. of just pure information, which not only helps me practice articulating my ideas, But these people get to know me and they get to trust me and trust is a bit of likability and credibility. So when I send that connection request, guess what happens? 90% plus acceptance rate. Mm -hmm. How hard do you think it is to book a meeting when you have trust? Not that hard. Not that hard. (laughs) Works a lot better than a pitch slap. Yeah, no kidding. And what what I love about this approach is it's sort of a, an enhancement and an extension of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Nick, where a comment strategy now becomes more focused because the way that we have outlined this before is that you're more or less scrolling through your feed, <laughs> looking for five to 10 opportunities to add value in the comments. Or if you can't articulate a key to insight on a comment, you can always ask a question. And my preferred way to do that is to make them feel good. So I affirm their post first. I say, this is great stuff. Or I really, if it's a listicle, I really enjoyed number eight, totally resonated with me. And then ask a question. And that's also a great way to start a conversation in the comments without ever having connected with them in the first place. But now with SalesNav's filter functionality, you've created, I mean, I just want to articulate this specifically. You've created a targeted list of personas who are buyers or decision makers in the buying process or key to the buying process. And now you're able to target all of that effort that you're putting into comments and your connection requests eventually into just that lead list based on the accounts that you previously created and verified the account list that you created. So it's Mm -hmm. all this very nice, neat, and tightly packaged way to engage with the right people consistently And in a way that you don't lose track of their content to the rest of the algorithm, because it's all there inside Sales Navigator. And yeah, you're just working. You know, right now they say that at any given time, your market, only 3% are in a buying motion. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking to my potential buyers every single day instead of having, you know, a sub 10% connect rate on cold calls. Don't get me wrong. Cold calling and emailing has its place. Mm-hmm. But using this strategy, you're investing in yourself and building that healthy pipeline that gets us to bonus and gets us recognized for good work. And nobody tells somebody that's doing well and that's achieving target that they need to get off of LinkedIn because there's proof in the pudding. <laughs> oh, there's proof in the pudding. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so you've been commenting. Mm-hmm. 
Do you only comment once? Do you comment a couple times? I did a poll about this this week, which we can dive into in a second. But for you, are you commenting once, waiting for them to engage before you send the connection request? You don't obviously just want to comment and then send a connection request immediately after. So what's that sort of cadence that we that you think about that we should use? So I've tried a few. Mm -hmm. I've tried quite a few. And what has worked, and I compare it to going to the gym. When you go to the gym or you go to a new place and you keep showing up consistently, it takes a while for people to recognize you. It takes a while for people to trust you, to want to engage with you. And so what'll happen is they might like what I said. They might comment back on what I said, but it won't be warm and it won't be high value. What I wait for is when they take it deeper and not only do they want to engage, but they'll have a conversation in comments or what happens more often than not is they'll connect with me and start a conversation in direct messages. So this takes anywhere from two weeks to four weeks on average. Okay. LinkedIn is not as fast as most sales managers would like it to be, but that's okay because that's what builds pipeline is that we have that 90 day lookout of how our pipeline is growing and how it's maturing and what is closing and when. Mm-hmm. And this is where that practice comes in. But you always got to go and keep that list. And that's why I like Sales Navigator because I'm just investing in those people. And it almost does the work for you. It almost works like inbound, but it's like that perfect happy medium between inbound and outbound. So I, I like to call it my sneaky trick. But now it's our sneaky trick to you. It's our it's our <laughs> sneaky trick, right? And and to everyone watching this, it's everyone's sneaky trick. So if you're doing this is actually interesting. Tech Jutsu had asked on the YouTube stream, can you give an example of the pattern interrupt? So I think this is a great uh, opportunity to answer this question because this is where you can interrupt people's expectations of what it means to connect with you or to engage with you. And there's lots of different methods. Nick, what's your favorite? How do you like to interrupt the pattern in your industry? Go relationship first. Mm-hmm. And so what people have this, in social psychology, there's this thing where people need to see you care before they'll care. And so it, it's comparable to somebody knocking on your door, walking in at your dinner table and asking you to pour their heart out to them. That's an earned right. It doesn't just happen. And so where sales is moving, and I'm not talking transactional sales as much. I am talking the high ticket, premium, longer sales cycle process. There needs to be trust from likability and credibility that you're building through relationships. And this is how you show up over a longer period of time. And so just start by when they connect with you, say thank you. When you send your first response back, do something like one of my favorites right now is how have you been? Oh, that's such a good one. Because there's a thing, I think it was called the positivity bias, where if people aren't in a positive mindset, they are not willing to learn. They're going to go back because they're stressed. And the stress mind reverts back to its more primal mode. And so it's not a good time to have an intellectual conversation. And so I, I wait till people are in a good mood. And then we dive into something that's educational or <laughs> insightful. Mm-hmm. And if you do it any time before that, it it feels unnatural. Yeah, totally. I think this is a great time to review the results of this poll that I had done earlier because this is a great example of pattern interrupting as sort of the response to this poll. So I I had asked what's the most effective 
outbound approach on LinkedIn and gave people the option of selecting a personalized in-mail or DM, connect plus a personalized DM, and then comment plus connect plus DM, hopefully personalized, and then other. And in the last day, the comment plus connect plus DM narrowly won out over the connect plus personalized DM, but in-mail still got, you know, 14% or so. And I think this is a great example where I think about the competitive landscape a lot. And <laughs> my branding hat is coming out here, but uh -oh. in, <laughs> in all my brand marketing work, you always have to think about how you're positioned in the market. Mm -hmm. Who are your competitors? How are you different? How do people know that you're different? How are you communicating your difference? That's advantage, one of the core three elements of a brand. And the competitive landscape for outbound motions on LinkedIn and outbound cold prospecting on LinkedIn is leveraging the existing tools like InMail or a personalized DM on a connection. So I think that it, because a lot of people are using it, obviously, there's going to be some percentage of business that could come from it. It's not like you're going to get zero dollars. It's just going to be a lot more work compared to a pattern interrupt, this sort of motion that Nick has been laying out today, which won the poll, where you're commenting, then sending a personalized connection request, and then having a follow-up conversation that starts with a relationship focus. You know, my... I love the how have you been question. It's one of the best things, mostly because people don't tie it immediately to their work. And, th and this is a little secret of that question and why we're so emphatic about the relationship side. When people are able to open up more than just about their job or about you know where they're working, there's a deeper connection and relationship that gets formed, even if it's just a little bit deeper, right? But mm -hmm. now... The focus of the conversation is not anywhere in their universe related to your product or your company or anything else. They may be a little skeptical that you may still try and pitch them. So all you get to do is demonstrate that you're really keen on just investing on the relationship on the front end. And that's a pattern interrupt too. Because the expectation right now in the competitive landscape is if they connect with a sales professional or they get an email from a sales professional, it's a pitch. So the more that you can disrupt that expectation that it is not a pitch and that, in fact, you're just there to build a relationship on the front end, the more you can interrupt that pattern and their expectations as to like how you're going to engage with them. And that's also why commenting on the front end is huge and leveraging sales nav to sort of organize that motion because you really are just, in the way I say it, is generous you're, you're being generous. You're generously showing up and just providing value and getting to know them without any expectation that they're going to buy from you or, I mean, the hope is that they're going to eventually buy from you, but they don't know that and they shouldn't get a whiff of that anytime the <laughs> in the sales breath. motion. Right. Yeah. You don't need the sales breath in the conversation, right? And okay. Yeah. I think that was the end of the thought. I think we reviewed the poll. So, so think about it this way. And this has been one of my new favorite ways to break down any type of sequence that I'm building. I break it down into thirds. Top part, relationship. Second part, value creation. Third part, conversion or conversation. And so how are you taking that conversation offline or taking it to business, which mm -hmm. typically will come from triggers in the value creation. And this is how you can beat that 3% of any different anybody looking to buy at any given time because there's also a stat of 40% of people are willing to change at any given time. 
but they won't do it just because you knocked on their door, but they will do it for people they trust. And so should I go and dive into what I've been experimenting with, with my six part series? Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. So what I've been doing is a connection request and I've been keeping it blank because I always start with the comment strategy first. You can go personalize invite. Personalized invite has to be value creation, not your company. Mm -hmm. There's ways to go and use social proof and do this. And you could say, I, I've seen Chili Piper do an incredible job where they say, hey, on average, it takes you eight hours to get back to an inbound lead per Gartner. You know, after the first two hours, there's an 85% drop in the likelihood of closing. We helped Acme Co. go from X to Y, which created a 22% conversion. Interested? Want to hear mm -hmm. more? And that's what they'll do. Very powerful. Works really well. I take more of a relationship-driven approach, which is a bit slower. So just keep in mind, this allows me to do more consistently over time and compound. And so what I'll do is I go connection request after the, the comment strategy where it's triggering. Keep in mind, over 80% of the time, they connect with me. Mm, right. <laughs> then I say, thank you. And this is mm -hmm. when the 14 days starts or you could, anywhere from 14 to 30. It depends on your market size and how strong the relationship is from the comment strategy. That's why it changes this timeline. Second part is I'll say thank you for connecting. Which is huge. And yeah, it, and it's so simple. But it's <laughs> it, and think of it too. People like to reciprocate things that they're getting. So if you're building all this value and you're giving all the stuff away, when you come to ask for a meeting down the road in this process, it's a simple ask because you've earned it. Mm -hmm. Can I just say about the thank you? I got maybe 20 or so inbound connection requests in the last couple of days and absolutely zero people thanked me for connecting. Do you know what the so, irony is about that, Morgan? You Go for it. <laughs> it's one of the prompts that they give you on LinkedIn for the quick connect is to say thank you. I wonder why. LinkedIn I wonder why. But but the for me, that's another pattern interrupt. You're disrupting the expectation. You're disrupting the MO. Remember, if at, if somebody lands on your profile and they see that you're an account executive or an SDR or whatever, they may have an expectation that by saying yes, they're kind of like, don't pitch me, please. And so when you disrupt that by just saying, thanks for connecting or great to be connected, Nick, you're disrupting that pattern, you're disrupting that expectation, and you're opening up an alternative path. You're opening up a relationship on the front end. Anyways, after the back, thank you. And going back to Techjutsu, tech oh my goodness gracious, I can't talk. <laughs> Sorry, okay. guys. For the pattern interrupt, what it does is your mind naturally filters, and it changes that filter, and it opens you up to listen. The reason that I'm calling today, shut down. We get mm -hmm. taught there's different patterns that allow our brain to make quick decisions. It comes back. I can't remember who wrote the book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Oh, Kahneman. Kahneman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, where it and comes his from. his partner. Yeah. Yeah. So just this is based on social psychology. I didn't make this all up. I just put it to work. <laughs> Me and Morgan put it to work mm -hmm. in ways that are meaningful for us as salespeople to win. Now, the mm -hmm. next one, the next step after saying thank you, if they respond to the thank you, they are receptive conversation. Now we need to do a mood check is what, I, is what I've been doing lately. And I'll ask them, how have they been? How was your week? Something that's about feeling to see what their mood is like. 
because if they're in a bad mood, they're not receptive to information. Okay. Now you wait two days or three. You can play with a couple different cadences. And Morgan, you have a great example of this. So I'll, I'll, I'll announce it, what it is, but I would love you to share your example. And it's the value or credibility statement. Mm-hmm. And so there was a person that reached out to you a little while back and they sent you a document. I can't remember the full details, but would you be able to share that story, please? Yeah, of course. So basically, I think it was they had reached out to me to connect. And I was like, sure, <laughs> I accept connection requests from basically anyone. Happy to connect. And they followed up with a thanks for connecting, loved my content, one of those. I was like, ooh, I feel nice. That's great. Then they, we had an ensuing conversation. I was in a good mood. We had a great amount of conversation. And then a few days later, what had happened, we had started the conversation had tailed off. And then she followed up with, I think, a specific article. I forget the exact resource, but it was high value. And it said, hey, I saw this. And I thought of you, so I wanted to share it. What do you think? And that started another conversation. <laughs> Talk about a pattern interrupt. When have you had a salesperson that it and it might not have been out of her way? She might have been planning for this, mm-hmm. yeah. but it feels like she went out it's... of her way because it was so generous and unexpected. That is the key to mm-hmm. this is it has to be an unexpected gift. Sorry, yes. Morgan. But sure. it's unexpected in a good way. It's in a, it's you're anticipating a value delivery. You're anticipating what they think would be valuable. You're and you're delivering it to them so that it's relevant content. And I've we just I just put together a cadence for uh, a client of mine that also did this in part of the outreach. And this I would argue that this also works outside of LinkedIn and works in especially email or other sorts of cold prospecting motions where you can deliver value up front after you've initially connected with them. It's huge. So anyway, any guesses of what step four is? <laughs> I'll let you reveal the surprise. <laughs> this is really important in B2B when you're getting mm-hmm. to larger companies with multiple decision makers is you need to be talking to the right person. And so this is where you start asking who should you be talking to? So you could say, Hey, hope you're having a great day. Who would I need to talk to or just start the process? Talk about sales training. And so you want to bait the hook and because you've delivered so much value, what I find is that over 80% of the time they're willing to help give you direction and irony is not only are they willing to give you direction, but they're willing to give you feedback in order to help you build a business case Mm. to do the outreach, which leads into step five, which is book the meeting. And more often than not, they are helping me book a meeting because I am not the hero in this story. Mm -mm. And this is a key part to remember. We are guides. It's a typical hero's tale where this influencer that we're working with is the hero that's coming in to save the day. This is why when you get people that you see the account triggers that or a lead trigger that somebody just got a promotion into a senior position and you have trust and respect with them, this book a meeting is so critical because they, I think it's something like they spend over 80% of their funds within the first 90 days because they need to make a splash in that new position to get recognition. And so they are more more than happy to book a meeting with you and do a strategy session or something of high value to start that sales process. Mm -hmm. Now, 
for the odd time that this doesn't work, then we go to the follow-up breakup. Mm-hmm. And I just go Chris Voss. And I say, have you given up on this? And I'll wait a week. And that's all I say. Because mm-hmm. I like Chris, Chris Voss's idea of kill them with kindness and that unstoppable <laughs> kindness. Because when you're nice and you're being respectful... And you're not being, you're not pushing your own agenda or your own timeline. You can go back and talk to those people. The greatest Mm -hmm. danger in sales is when you scorch the earth behind you and you burn relationships or kill your reputation because you can't go back. It, as much as everybody says it's a big world, it's not a big world. People Mm -hmm. talk, especially in the higher circles with decision makers. When they are vetting your decision and they hear your name, and somebody has a bad association with you, could be at another company, you're done. Because right now, LinkedIn communities, Slack channels, all these things, people have the greatest exposure to their peers that they've ever had before. And they are surely asking about you and your solution Mm -hmm. long before you ever get the opportunity to pitch it. So Mm -hmm. be careful of your reputation. There's a uh, good question in the comments a couple ago. I believe it's from someone on my channel, but it is an anonymous LinkedIn user on ours. <laughs> if you if, get? Yes. If you get a thank you for connect, the question is, if you get a thank you for connecting, how often do you actually reply and engage? This is a good question to me and you, Nick. That, so this is, this is an important answer because it depends on what happens before the connection request. <laughs> so if I get... I mean, I respond, or I mean, unless somebody's calling me out and I totally forgot to do this once, but I always respond to the thank you for connecting because it's so rare. You know, it's three to 5% of all inbound connection requests that I've gotten over the last three months. So I always like to engage. In terms of the people that I work with, it's usually about 50 50, I think, respond to a thank you for connecting. And that percentage is a little bit higher when I'm working with sales folks. And the difference there, the reason that it usually works at a higher rate is, You've done commenting before. You they already know you. <laughs> they, you know, if you've popped into their comments a couple times over the last few weeks and added your own value. Ah, it's Andrea Bowers from Colorado. Hello. <laughs> okay. Why it says that. Must be a pro- you might have your profile set to private. So what happens yeah. is when you're it won't show your profile picture and it actually limits your exposure in the feed, which actually cuts your availability to get connection requests by about 80%. And if you have questions to shoot me or Morgan a DM and we can fix yeah. that for you if you're totally. interested. Yeah. The for me, the reality is if somebody has popped into my I mean, let's reverse the situation. We think it's all about we think about we make so many assumptions about other people that are usually wrong. So, let's turn the situation around to me. If somebody was in my comments for 3 weeks, few posts, right, over those three weeks, added value, asked a question, continued a conversation, et cetera, and then sent a connection request, said, hey, again, it, ha- it can be blank, but it could also be personalized, said, hey, love your content, thought we should connect. That's a very simple sort of personalized DM or something, hardly personalized, but certainly relevant. And I accept and they follow up, say, thanks so much for connecting. That, in my mind, is, oh, this guy's already engaged in my content. Absolutely. Of course. Glad to be connected. Then they ask, how have you been? And I get to say, ah, you know what? 
I've been really great this week. And then there's a conversation that continues with it. And then with Nick's cadence, a few days later, they could follow up and say, hey, I saw this article that I thought was super valuable. Or um, if they're more of a thought leader, hey, I wrote a book. Here are the first two chapters. Let me know if you want the rest of it. That one works so well. It's so well. Or, hey, we just... And the key is you're providing it native. You are not sending them to a link to put in their email to download a white paper. That's not the point of this. You're not trying to generate MQLs off of this. You're not trying to get names and emails off of this. You are trying to build a relationship. So you're providing direct value up front. And then a couple weeks after that, they say, hey, typically when I talk with marketing leaders like yourself, they're worried about one of two things. And they use that classic sort of sales script. One, Mm They're more focused on X, two, they're more focused on Y. Which of those uh, are you running into those? And then I, maybe I'm running into one. And so then there's a conversation and then there's the ask of like, hey, you want to hop on a call to discuss this more? Done. So when, yeah. when we put ourselves in the buyer's shoes, and this can depend upon the buyer you're working with, you're able to create a cadence and language that cadence in a way that's really resonant to them. And that's the most important. It's not about you. As much as as a marketer, I like things to make be about me and be about the companies that I do. Like it's about them and the problems that you solve. And actually, Sarah had a good comment that I think is important because we can dissect this. Which is, I'm on the fence. Yeah, this is a longer. Sarah says, I'm on the fence about thanking them for earning it or for connecting. I'd rather say, I'm glad we connected. The reason is the impact of using the software I'm selling realistically allows them to save money. Um, reduce the work of the entire support staff so it behooves my prospects to buy our software. I should hope that your company exists to solve a problem. I feel like if I say thank you instead, it puts me in a more begging position, but still unsure. Nick, do you have a take on this? Because I have a take on this, but I want yours first. <laughs> when when you think about being in a begging position, that's because you're putting yourself first and you're putting your company first And this is where it gets a lot of salespeople in trouble because social psychology states and neuroscience that we credibility, trust is built on likability and credibility. The reason why we say thank you is it makes us more likable. It opens the door to build a relationship, which leads into the value creation shortly after in the messaging. If you skip this step, you are starting without likability and you're starting without the relationship. Trust is the lubricant that moves crazy deals forward because when people trust you, they'll ignore details and that can really help when things get complex, especially the technical solutions. And so it's super critical to do this where it comes to begging is when you're using stupid cadences Mm -hmm. that are obnoxiously regular. Mm -hmm. So if I get one email from you, and it's a personal conversation, and I magically end up into your cadence, and you're sending me updates because now I'm in your HubSpot, but I never asked to be, or you never opted in. This is how we kill credibility and trust. And your chance of selling them just went by down by at least 90%. So mm-hmm. I can tell you from experience that as soon as I started adding this in, it was a game changer. And it also, I reduced my cadence. I used, I got taught that I had to do a touch just about every single day. I now over 30 days might only do six to 10 touches depending on the size of the company because they're an individual. It's not my timeline. 
they don't give a shit when my commission comes out. All they care about is them. What's mm-hmm. in it for them? And so when we flip the script and we put the buyer in mind, then it, it it's really helpful when we go and take this mindset of relationship first because it works. And mm-hmm. then you got to remember too, is you're, that's one individual, especially an SMB and enterprise, you'll have multiple individuals. And mm-hmm. so if you're only touching on those individuals six six to 10 times over a 30-day period, mm-hmm. they're going to start talking about you. And the whole other point of this with the value creation is actually to earn word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And so this is a much bigger thing, but we can't look at any individual part as one, what's that saying? Like it's greater than the sum of its whole. Mm-hmm. Every little part ha- plays a role and it plays into the psychology of how we naturally make decisions. You skip mm-hmm. it, you get in the way of yourself. Yeah. And the thing that came to my mind, and I see Sarah added a follow-up comment on my stream, which I'll briefly address. The fact is we all think that the thing that we sell is the best thing in the world. That's just part of being a salesperson, part of being a marketer. I, I don't pretend to be the best brand strategist in the world, but certainly I think that every time I do brand strategy, I transform a company's prospects in the marketplace. And, and I have the results to prove all that. That's fine. But they don't know that and they don't care. And I don't mean to be harsh. That's not, it's just they don't care yet. They don't know. So if we set up a conversation, if you imagine yourself at a party and you meet somebody, and you say, ah, I'm so glad we met. The first question they're going to ask is, oh, why? So there's this expectation that you already have an agenda, that you already want to sell to them, that you already want a goal out of that conversation. Oh, I'm so glad we met. Why is that? Well, unless if you have a good reason and you're like, oh, Adam introduced us. Adam had been talking about you for the last three weeks. This is like a different play on LinkedIn. Oh, I'd seen your comments on other on David's posts and I loved your insights. That's a good thing to follow up with. I'm glad we connected or I'm glad we met. But the reason that I personally prefer thank you is if I'm at a party, it's just nice to be kind. It's just nice to say, "Hey, I'm so glad I'm thanks for sitting down with me. It's great to know you more. It's good to it's good to connect, right? But that good to connect comes after the conversation, not at the beginning of the conversation. Because I'm glad we connected as a way to wrap up and set expectations for next steps, not to open the doors. And so I think that the follow-up comment about my product can basically transform lives is true. Everyone's products can transform lives in some way or another. And there are some industries like yours, Sarah, where you're working with mental health clinics where you have a direct impact on people's lives. The thing is, your clients don't necessarily know that your product allows them to do that. So if you start the conversation with an agenda and by saying, oh, I'm glad we connected, they're immediately going to put up a guard, which you don't want, because now not only do you have to overcome the emotional guard, then you have to come overcome the emotional guard and still sell them. And so instead, my approach and what we've talked about today is thank them for connecting. And if they don't respond, they don't respond. And if they do respond, then you get to have a conversation. And you and what I've said in previous live streams is the shadow pitch. You want to you avoid the shadow pitch. At the end of the day, people love to buy, but they do not like to be sold. So it this is, and I'm sure Nick has a different approach on this, but if I walked into a shoe shop 
And the salesperson at the shoe shop is definitely trying to sell me on the, and I have a nose for this. And I think a lot of people have a nose for this sort of BS. Oh, it's a gut feeling because we have that, we know the patterns. We know know the pattern. It feels like. We, I, you know, we know the pattern. We know, well, no, I don't want the $500 shoes. I don't want to spend that much money. But then he continues to pressure me to the $300 shoes. I'm like, no, I don't want that. Why aren't you listening to me? Right? People get frustrated in that cycle. So the more that we can avoid the shadow pitch, the more that we can avoid talking about our own company and just get to know them more and learn more, you're basically qualifying them by relationship building, but you don't ever try and do qualification questions. You're getting to know them more and build trust. And even though that's longer on the front end, my bet is your sales cycle is going to be shorter on the back end because Mm -hmm. that trust is the lubricant, as Nick says, to um, make those sales cycles go quicker. Yeah, absolutely. As you're going through this process, you have to listen to the questions they're asking and think at where they're coming from. When you go and have questions that are later in the funnel that are very specific to like how your product links up, they're more in a buying mode, that'll change how you can approach them. That means you can go into more sales and you can do it faster, but you have to pay attention to their language. The thing to remember, and this is so critical, is that your greatest competitor is doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You're competing for funds, but unless they're going to an RFP, that's usually the only time they're looking at competitors actively. And so... One thing you got to be very careful about is that you are making the case to build that relationship so that you are, they are putting your investment first. Well, how do you do that? Value creation. Not just for you, but the service by the category that you're providing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you two more really quick ones that I really love, if that's okay, Morgan. Yep. So this is a sneaky trick. That works really, really well. And so all the sales managers listening, you'll really want to go and take this one and write it down. So go on LinkedIn, just on organic. Don't don't go in sales nav. Find a term highly relevant to your audience. That would be something, a category that they want to learn, like how to cold prospect on LinkedIn. And you can even try it with our audience, but mm-hmm. be careful. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you'll get. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you'll want to do is you go to insert, there's the category drop down. It's like people, companies, go to events. When the events pop down, it you'll go look for ones that have a little bit more. I tend to go for at least 30, usually about 50, no more than 500 usually. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time when they get over 500, people are just going because it's a well-known name, not because it's highly relevant. And what you do is now, once you register for that event, it unlocks all the attendees. And now you don't need an in-mail to message them. And now you got to think, why are you here? What do you want to learn? Maybe I'm a better source of information than this webinar. And this is where you can go and play to that. Because now if you're respectful and you're going relationship-driven value add, now you can unlock that. Another really good one And I think the term is social exchange theory. People trust people that have a certain following, that talk in a certain way. There are always influencers on any social platform in our category. You should know who they are, know at least five. And what you want to do is you watch 
and I only do this maybe once a week, is I go through their top performing uh, posts and I look for people in my ICP of my target and that are commenting and I will go comment back. Mm-hmm. And I'll try and start a conversation in comments, the same comment strategy that I do. So this is if I don't have enough comments to talk about and I have extra time or I'll squeeze this in and I book time for it, I'll go do this. And so now I'm building lead lists through the event. I'm building lead lists through these comments. And so to say I don't have people to talk to in a week is ridiculous. And it all guides how I'm building my account list and my lead list so I can let sales navigator or some in sales intelligence software do the work for me because I've done the hard work of figuring out who specifically I should be talking to. And another, I've seen people go and do it where they'll, they'll send a connection request right away and they'll say, hey, I saw you commented or liked so-and-so's post. I liked your point of view, da-da-da-da-da. You know, this is something link it back to your value proposition. I'd love to talk about, we, maybe we should book a meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's a faster approach, but it's because there might be in more of a buying position or the fact that they're commenting is that they are an engager. That's their mentality on social media. So they are usually more open to information and judgment because they don't care if somebody comments back. Mm-hmm. So we're playing to the psychology that these people are open And so they're a good target for people to talk to. If anyone is interested in sort of a written version of all of this, send us a DM. We've put it together. Either of us, we're happy to share with uh, a little routine that we use, LinkedIn in 30 minutes. It's pretty straightforward and it goes through all this sort of detail. We'd be happy to share that with you. Otherwise, Nick, I believe we're at time. So do you Mm -hmm. have any last thoughts or summary thoughts for everyone before we close? Companies are made of people. People like to be treated like individuals, feel special. And when we remember that it's not about the target account, not about winning the sale, but connecting with that individual and building value, goes to James Blackmore's point that he just put up. Mm -hmm. We don't have to sell harder. We make it harder by putting ourselves first. Put the person first, it becomes natural and easy to buy, and it becomes an experience that they crave and that they want. But the thing is, you have to have enough, enough on the go at any given time where you don't have to go and rush people's timeline because you need it to go and hit cash flow. You need it to get your commission check. And so that's why you need to set minimum activity requirements, not the bullshit ones that most companies do with their sales. Like you need to do 200 calls a day, break it down. I need to do five comments a day. I need to do five meaningful conversations a day. Make it sustainable, something you can do every day, even if you're busy. Prioritize Mm -hmm. it. I couldn't have said it better myself. I was going to say companies are people. (laughs) And, And honestly, as we wrap up, the main thing to remember is you have potentially direct access to every single decision maker in the buying process on LinkedIn if you're in the right industry. Sometimes that's not true if you're in a different industry. But for people who can leverage LinkedIn for prospecting, you could have direct access to every single one of them. And the question is, how are you going to make them feel comfortable with the idea of you walking into their office, sitting down across from them at their desk and having a conversation about your product? Because that's effectively what you're able to do out on LinkedIn. And the secret is you don't start with the product. As we've detailed 
ad nauseum today. So thank you everyone for joining this morning. Please check out, you know, the b2bpowerhour.com for the full archive of our live shows and our podcasts where we release additional special interviews with a bunch of cool people. We've had some great interviews these last couple of weeks. And well, as Nick always says, happy selling. <laughs> happy selling. Take care, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Power Hour podcast. Make sure to subscribe to catch all of our upcoming episodes, and we'll see you next time.